the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Before we talk with our guest, Bill Kusilis, and he's someone who has extensively studied Mothman and the Silver Bridge and everything, we want to mention a few things for our listeners, where one of which is this show will be heard on the 4th of October. And if you tune in after that, well, this may have happened, but it's worth checking out. On the 6th of October, the James Fox movie, The Phenomenon, premieres as a digital download. So it's going to be available, I guess, all over the world from usual offenders like Apple TV Plus, iTunes, of course, Amazon Prime, Vudu, and a lot of other services. So you'll be able to buy it for $19.99 U.S. I have no idea whatever what it's going to cost in different countries, which is a pretty normal price for films like this. We're trying to get some special deals for listeners who sign up with the Powercast Plus. I'll let you know how that happens. And certainly in the near future, we will be hearing from James Fox about this movie. As many of you know, James has been working on this film for a number of years. He had two other UFO documentaries, but this one has a fairly big budget. Peter Coyote does the narration. It features a lot of people over the years you're familiar with. Also, some figures involved in the current UAP investigations, including Senator Harry Reid and John Podesta and Chris Mellon. Dr. Jacques Vallée is also in it. In fact, he did a lot of work in the editing of the film, according to James. So we will have him on later this month. In the meantime, you can pre-order, okay? It's not paid commercial. You can pre-order the film and check it out. I have already seen it, by the way, and Randall's going to have his chance to see it very soon. He just learned that now. But I've already seen it. There's no sensationalism. It's a straight-ahead documentary. Very well done, very well-produced, classy production. None of the crap that you see in reality shows, just straight-ahead factual information. And it's not just that UFOs are spaceships. So, Bill, you anxious to see the phenomenon? I'd be happy to take a look at it, yes. I've heard a little bit about it, but I don't know much about the background other than what you just shared with us. It's more like I said, I did see it just before the last time that James was on the show. So, Bill, we kind of got you on the show at the last minute here, but I know that you have been involved in studying the paranormal for a number of years. How did you get involved? You know, and to tell you, Gene, basically, I mean, going back to when I was a little kid, I was uh, really riveted with that old television show in the 1970s called Project UFO. Are you familiar with that? Do you remember that? Just the facts, man. That's Jack Webb, by the way. Yeah. The guy, the guy who created the TV procedural show, Dragnet. And the other thing about it, too, is that Jack Webb was in real life very seriously interested in UFOs. Now, this was a fictional exactly. show. It was kind of based on Project Blue Book very loosely. And so what did you think about when you were watching the show in the 70s? Well, I was nine years old. I had no exposure to the paranormal at that point in time. 
But I remember coming home on Sundays and begging the parents to be able to turn it on so I could watch it because I just loved it. I don't remember a lot of the details because that's going back decades ago now, but that was my very first exposure to the paranormal. It was about two guys who go out and investigate sightings. Most of the time they solved it. It's kind of patterned after Project Blue Book. Far more so, I think, than the more recent show. Don't know if you saw it, the Project Blue Book show loosely based on the life of Dr. Hynek. Have you I seen did. that? I thought that was a horrible show. <laughs> I've heard a lot, a lot of people that have had that type of response. I think I took a look at it from just a an entertainment value type of a perspective. So to me, it was fun. And now season two got a little far out there, and I wasn't overly surprised that the project ended, at least at that point in time. I had known slightly Dr. Hynek in the 70s and early 80s, and whatever that was, that was not Dr. Hynek. I didn't think so, but I thought it was good entertainment. I got a kick out of it. The best way to know what Dr. Hynek was like is watch the few seconds he appears towards the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Just look at him, get a sense of his demeanor and personality there. That's Dr. Hynek. Not quite as animated as what they portrayed him on in the most recent series. He was not an action hero. No. (laughs) No, he's very mild-mannered. You can catch him in a few um, YouTube clips, though, if you look. And I think the Project UFO, you can catch a couple episodes there as well. Yeah, I could see why they would uh, catch people's attention, because he even caught mine after all these years. I thought, wow, this was pretty good. You know, I wish I'd, I'd caught that when I was younger, but we just didn't watch that much TV, I guess, back in those days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few TV shows I actually remember from back then. I was never a, never a big TV watcher, but that one captured me. I think that just got me interested in the paranormal in general. You see, as we talk about this, I grew up watching the little kiddie sci-fi shows like Captain Video and his Video Rangers, Tom Corbett's Space Cadet, Rocky Jones' Space Ranger. And the one I think that was in terms of quality to the best of the batch was Space Patrol, which was kind of of a precursor to Star Trek in a very primitive way. These shows, like Space Patrol and Captain Video, were done live. They were live. There was no tape, no videotape. These were done live. And you can still find a lot of Space Patrol episodes on YouTube. Captain Video, the sad thing was, it was on a network called Dumont that went out of business and the assets were acquired by Metro Media, They destroyed over 1,500 recordings, kinescopes of the Captain Captain video shows, 1,500. So there's only like Uh, a half dozen available anywhere. That's like tragic. Really? Yeah, why why would they do that? That's stupid. Because they don't care about the cultural value of that sort of thing. They were probably just looking at how much room they had in their, you know, their stock room or something to store stuff. And it was like, oh, who cares about this? And just that was all there was to it. This was physical videotape and such. Now, the only thing about the show, the only remnant now is that the actor who played the video ranger, Captain Video's assistant, Don Hastings is still alive. He appeared on a soap opera for 50 years. I mean, the guy was a decent actor, and he's still around. I don't know if he acts anymore, but the original video ranger, Don Hastings. 
I don't know why. I've heard heard that name. Yeah. Look him up. Now, Bill, so you watch this TV show, Project UFO, got interested in the subject at nine years old. Where did it go from there? Well, from there, the interesting thing was uh, my younger brother and I were raised by our mom and our great-grandmother. So mom was a single parent with a low budget, and she provided us with cheap entertainment because that's what she could afford. So she would read to us stories uh, like The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. So that got me interested in the fantasy aspect of the genre. And so I started following that. Into my teen years, I began getting into role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, the you know the early 1970s version of that game. Went to a couple conventions when I was in high school and a little bit older than that. But then I got the driver's license and started doing different things and kind of got away from the paranormal for a while. I kind of segued over into horror, maybe in the, in the 20s. And by the time I was 30, it involved in my first marriage which was a debacle, but that's a whole other story. We happened to stumble across the movie of the Mothman Prophecies from 2002. I'd never heard of the Mothman phenomenon or anything about it, but the movie really captured my imagination. Bill Kusilis joins us, and we're going to talk about how his interest in paranormal transferred to Mothman. More to come with Gene Randall. You're in The Paracast. Paracast people, I'm Greg Carlwood, the host of the Higher Side Chats podcast, an uninterrupted and action-packed interview-based show where I talk to some of the brightest minds for our troubled times about all things paranormal, occult, esoteric, and conspiratorial. After 10 years, we've heard it all. Alien moon bases, archons, hollow earth, technocratic and biomedical agendas, magic, mind control, and Lovecraftian monsters. Oh my. Usually, the first hour of the show is free, and the second hour is for members who sign up for the Higher Side Chats Plus at $8 a month. But praise be, we're giving Paracast listeners two free weeks of Plus when you use the all-caps coupon code PARACAST. Go to thehiresidechats.com, sign up with the code PARACAST, and dive into the nearly never-ending archive of great interviews I've been lucky enough to get over the years, from David Politis to David Icke, and many, many guests not named David. Check it out. You're going to love it. All right, Jimmy, was that good? Can we use that one? When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four-and-a-half to five-star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our made-in-the-USA microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra-large body wraps are designed Designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part? Sunny Bay quality products started under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, 
Simple Funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com, keyword antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Bill Kuselis joining us. And before we mention how he got his interest expanded with Mothman, he saw the movie starring Richard Gere as a very, 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 speaking of real life, rough, rough approximation of John Keel, a character called John Klein, as I recall. What's interesting, this was probably the only thing from which John Keel, the real John Keel, made any decent amount of money from. After he got his money from selling the book, he, I think he bought himself a new car and everything. Now, it was a fiction movie. So how does this connect to your factual interest? Well, what, what really kind of surprised me about the movie was I've always been one that's drawn to things that are paranormal, but that aren't fictionalized. And obviously the movie itself is fictionalized, but it's based loosely upon the book that John Keel wrote that was published in 1975, The Mothman Prophecies. Interestingly enough, it's got a lot of the same ambiance of Gray Barker's 1970 book, Silver Bridge. So I, I think between the two, between the movie and the setting that it kind of laid and then understanding that it was based in historical perspective, I decided to go out and acquire the book. And reading through John Keel's Mothman Prophecies, really sparked my interest. I mean, the movie was interesting, but I knew it was Hollywoodized. But the book itself had so many interesting nuances that that were more than just a black-shrouded creature that scared people in Point Pleasant in 1966 and 67. 
There was also UFO sightings. There were lights in the sky. There were men in black. All kinds of really interesting things that took place during that time. And it just pulled me in and made me want to investigate it more and more and more. Well, let's talk a little bit about a couple of those things. And so can you uh, describe a couple of these MIB encounters? Sure. The, the men in black, the first one that comes to mind for me was there was a young witness who I think was 17 or 18 years old by the name of Connie Carpenter. And Connie had been coming home from church on a Sunday and she saw the Mothman. She just saw a strange figure that she couldn't describe. And, and on her way home, somebody approached her and tried to grab her out of a car. And it was a late model car. And it was a younger man, maybe in his late 20s, early 30s or so he appeared, tried to get her to get in the car. She was able to break away from him and get home. But she was terrified by this whole thing. So she stayed in her home for the next several days and found a note underneath her door after the first day that said, you better watch yourself, girl. We can get you yet. Now, that was one instance of a man in black. But there were also you know, individuals that were standing you know, in Point Pleasant, just kind of taking a look around, scouting out the the people and the things going on in the town and trying to pay attention to, it, it seemed to keep people in line, so to speak, to keep this whole Mothman thing at bay, so to speak, if that makes sense. Was there a sort of a definitive connection there between the MIB and the Mothman sighting? Like in typical MIB encounters, you'll have, they'll be traveling in threes, for example, and they'll say specifically, you know, you really need to stop looking into this UFO sighting thing. Yes, there was a newspaper reporter by the name of Mary Heyer, and she worked for the Athens, Ohio Messenger. And she was kind of the Point Pleasant area person who knew everything that was going on in the community. And she followed some of the UFO sightings that were happening back in 66 and 67 and followed the Mothman sightings. And she would write articles about this and she would publish them in the newspaper. And there is one report in the Mothman prophecies where she's sitting at her desk and an individual walks into her office, walks up to her desk and she doesn't even really notice him walk in, but as she takes a look at him, he's very, very short, has very thick Coke bottle bottom glasses on and a hat and all dressed in black. And he just stares at her and basically asks her about these writings she's doing and talking about these flying saucers and such and said, what would you say if I told you to stop writing about flying saucers? And she basically said, you know, you can go pound sand in a little bit rougher language than that. So that was another encounter that Barry Heyer had had with a man in black. Interestingly enough, the lady that I mentioned a few minutes ago, Connie Carpenter, that was Mary Heyer's niece. So there was a family connection there as well. Oh, wow. That is pretty weird. OK, so how about some of these UFO sightings? What kind of things were people seeing in the sky or on the ground? Let's go over a couple of those. So there is actually a chapter in the Mothman Prophecies book. It's called Purple Lights and April Foolishness. And in that chapter, John Keel writes of his investigations into different areas of the Point Pleasant area where they would see all types of lights in the sky and things that you know really shouldn't be there. And he and Mary Heyer went out to a spot which is close to the TNT area or the McClintic Wildlife Preserve 
which is where the Mothman was first sighted, and that area was kind of his abode, so to speak. But they took a look uh, at an area, a road called Camp Connolly Road, where there was all types of different purple lights in the sky and, and odd things happening. And in one instance, they were watching the sky, and Keel actually had a very high-powered flashlight. And they were watching these lights that were up in the sky, and he took his flashlight out and started flashing Morse code. And Mary asked him, well, what are you doing? What are you, what are you, what are you trying to tell these things? Well, all of a sudden, these lights started descending in a way that was like the falling leaf sensation, almost like these lights were walking down hypothetical stairs. Well, he had used Morse code and said the word descend. And apparently it seemed that they interpreted exactly what he had asked it to do, and they would walk down these stairs hypothetically. That is really interesting. That kind of implies that they know our language or and our code, that they've been studying us to some degree, or maybe that they are something from our own civilization, but they seem too weird for that. But what do you think? Well, and it's interesting that you pose it that way, because one of Keel's theories has been that these things or that he that we refer to as extraterrestrials, he was more keen to call them ultra terrestrials, which I believe is a concept that he derived from Ivan T. Sanderson, who was a big investigator even prior to Keel into such phenomena. He believed they were from a breakaway civilization that was part of this earth that always had been here. And rather than being from elsewhere or out in space somewhere, the likelihood was that they were more of a manifestation of our very earth, which is really an interesting perspective and not very popular with nuts and bolts ufologists. Now, we've talked about breakaway civilizations from time to time on the Paracast. Would have loved to have had the chance to interview Ivan Sanderson. I did meet him a few times in the 60s. He died, I guess, fairly young. However, we do have access to interviews with him, courtesy of our staff announcer, Bob Zanotti. I'll tell the listeners about that in a few moments. Bill Kusilis is joining us with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. USA.
USA Radio News with Wendy King. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said the president's condition was very concerning on Friday after he was diagnosed with COVID-19. He said that he was taken to Walter Reed Medical Center as a precaution. He also said the next 48 hours will be critical in terms of his care. The president's doctor, Sean Connolly, painted a much brighter picture. This morning, the president is doing very well. The team and I are extremely happy with the progress the president has made. Thursday, he had a mild cough and some nasal congestion and fatigue, all of which are now resolving and improving. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on Twitter said that he spoke with the president and said he sounds well and is feeling better. Former New Jersey governor and advisor to President Trump, Chris Christie, is also now in the hospital after testing positive for the virus. This is USA Radio News. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he wants to cancel legislative work until October 19th because of coronavirus cases infecting three senators. That, however, will not delay confirmation hearings for Supreme Court nominee Judge Amy Coney Barrett. The Senate Judiciary Committee still intends to begin that hearing on October 12th, as scheduled, despite many objections from Democrats. Two Republican members of the Judiciary Committee, Utah Senator Mike Lee and North Carolina Senator Tom Tillis, announced they had the coronavirus and tested positive on Friday. Republican Senator Ron Johnson has also tested positive for the virus. Also, Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie tested positive. He tweeted that he's receiving medical attention at this time and will keep people apprised of his condition. This is USA Radio News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So about Ivan T. Sanderson, Bob Zanotti had a show in the 60s at a college radio station called Coffee Clutch. And we've had samples of that show on the Paracast some years back of Voices of the Past episode. We're preparing another one, and we will feature some segments of interviews with Ivan Sanderson and Gray Barker. And more to the point, we may even arrange to have the full interviews from Coffee Clutch available for download if you're a subscriber to the Paracast Plus. So tell us more about these theories. Breakaway civilization, like I said, 
we've dealt with a number of people who've talked about that. Richard Dolan has also talked about it. Have you thought of it seriously, Bill? You know, I do find a lot of interest in that particular area. And I guess to maybe dovetail a little bit with your question, there's another aspect that Keel speaks about, not just in the Mothman prophecies, but in some of the other articles that he had written and from some of his field notes that have been assembled by another editor by the name of Andrew Colvin. There is a book that uh, Colvin published about two years ago that he titled The Big Blackout. And The Big Blackout, within that book, it parallels a lot of the same things that Keel discussed in the Mothman prophecies, but it really focuses more on some of the things that were taking place, not in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, but in Long Island, New York, in an area known as Mount Misery. Is that something you're familiar with? We are definitely at the fringe. This is a fringe show. So go ahead, Bill. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, the, uh, the Mount Misery aspect of things to me is infinitely interesting because in that area of both the Mothman prophecies and some of Keel's field notes that were assembled in the big blackout, Keel talks about correspondence with a couple of, he calls aliens or ultra-terrestrials or extraterrestrials. He uses those concepts pretty interchangeably, but basically the individuals that he speaks to are entities, basically never meets them face-to-face, but always either channels them through other individuals or speaks to them over the phone. They were entities that went by the names of Apol, which is spelled A-P-O-L, and Agar, which is spelled A-G-A-R. And allegedly, these individuals were basically spokespeople for this breakaway ultra-terrestrial, extraterrestrial race that had been kind of shadowing the Earth during 66 and 67 and really manifesting largely in the Long Island area. So there was a radio talk show host named Joanne Ferrano, and Joanne went by the stage name of J.P. Perro, P-A-R-O, and she was Keel's correspondent and I believe was introduced to Keel by Jim Mosley, if I remember correctly. But in any event, she was late 20s, maybe early 30s, and Keel describes her as kind of flighty, and he's had kind of had a way of using terms that we wouldn't describe people with these days because it's not really appropriate in 2020. But in any event, he had all kinds of correspondence with these individuals and wrote letters back and forth and received letters and all kinds of interesting stuff. This is where the Mothman prophecies, the prophecy end of things, really comes into play and isn't even written about so much in the Mothman Prophecies book, but is really detailed more extensively in his field notes and in the big blackout. All kinds of stuff was inferred by these people that actually took place, such as the Kennedy assassination, the Martin Luther King assassination, an assassination attempt against uh, the Pope. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff went on, and he was getting wind of it before it went down. So very political type stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it was. And one of the things that uh, he talks about in The Big Blackout is that in talking to one of these entities, he wanted to talk to them about their grand scheme of things. And this guy wanted to know more about Marilyn Monroe, which just seemed kind of bizarre. Well, of course, yeah, that's a, I mean, there is a Marilyn Monroe sort of conspiracy there because of her connection with Dorothea Kilgallen. And that's all pretty strange the way that both of those two women died. Now, I'm not familiar with the other woman. Dorothy Kilgallen was a gossip columnist who worked out of New York. 
she worked, I believe, for the Hearst newspaper chain. There was a newspaper in New York in those years called the New York Journal American. It's one of the papers that folded over the years. And she even appeared on a TV show, What's My Line, where you had identified what the guests did for a living, that kind of thing. And how she got so immersed in this conspiracy stuff, I'm not 100% sure. But then she wouldn't be the first gossip columnist to get involved in the paranormal. Of course, there was, of course, Frank Scully. What was the Maryland connection there then, Bill? The Maryland connection was really pretty ambiguous, honestly. Didn't really say a lot about why, you know, Apol or Apple had asked anything about Marilyn Monroe. I think Keel was puzzled by it. And at that point in the book, it just moves on to different territory. So he never really digs into it a whole lot to uncover what the fascination was, except that maybe she was attractive and this ultra-terrestrial was interested. I, I don't know. That's as far as it goes. Hmm. I guess we could sort of draw connections with, well, you mentioned the Kennedy assassination, and of course, they had a thing going. So, True. you know, maybe Marilyn knew too much. And of course, this is one of the sort of conspiracy theories with Marilyn is that it, it wasn't simply an overdose or an accident, but that uh, she was killed. She was murdered by somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, the other theory here, of course, is they didn't want to be revealed the relationship she had with John and Bobby Kennedy. So it may have been more political than paranormal. And it very well could have been. I've heard theories also to the to the regard that John Keel was a disinformation specialist. So who knows what really might have been going on in the background? And was he actually tasked with propagating all kinds of things to keep the general public at bay? I mean, who knows? It's an interesting thing to, to, to delve into, though. Well, they really yeah. he owed him a few paychecks, I'll tell you that. Because in the last years of his life, his financial situation was rather poor. After he used up the money from Mothman Prophecies. That's what I understand. And that's unfortunate. He contributed, I think, so much to the greater body of work. I mean, his writing was exhaustive. He did tons of investigative work. And to me, it's infinitely fascinating. And I think that a lot of people are delving into this now, maybe for the first time, and you're just kind of scraping the surface with the things he went into, but there's a whole Mothman industry out there now. I mean, it's crazy. It's it's really exploded since he passed away. What's interesting here, and I know you want to talk about it more, is that some people have some pretty conventional explanations for what Mothman was. It's where you get the alleged banshee warning connection with the crash of the Silver Bridge, where things get complicated. And of course, Gray Barker's book, The Silver Bridge, was not a straight-ahead narrative. It was filled with metaphors. It was semi-fictional, based on fact. I like the way that Keel described Gray Barker. And if memory serves me correctly, I think you may have known Gray Barker. Yes. And Keel talks about how Gray was, I mean, obviously, he was a great writer. I enjoyed the things that he did. But Keel said that sometimes Barker would take off and write some really interesting stuff, loosely based in fact, and then he'd just kind of like drop everything and just go for broke and write whatever he wanted to. So some of it seemed to be very imaginative. He took a lot of creative license, so to speak, with some of the material, which is one of the reasons I believe Keel went on and wrote his own book 
about how he saw the whole Mothman phenomenon. But I, I really think that Gray Barker's work was very interesting as well. And I, of course, have read both the books, The Silver Bridge, as well as Kiel's Mothman Prophecies and some of Barker's other work as well. I, I think he did a great job from a literary perspective, but a little looser with the way he went about things, I think, than Kiel was. Well, let's just say he was fast and loose with the facts, and I can tell you some more things when we get to our next segment. Bill Kusilis, UFO investigator, and he has looked into the Mothman situation. He's looked into Men in Black, obviously. A lot more to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains 
contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. What if people always acted the same way they do when they're driving their cars? Good morning, Mrs. Blanchard. How may I help you? I'd like to cash this check. Sure. I'll just get my pen Come here on, and... lady. Get a move oh, on. Goodness. Where'd you learn to bank anyway? Oh. Whoa, Whitney, don't you give me that look. It sure wouldn't be a very friendly place. What kind of candy do you want, sweetie? This. No, no, no. This. Pick something already. Come on, honey. We're holding people up. How about this kind? No. What is the matter with you people? If you're not going to do something, I am. Get out of my way. <laughs> Every day, drivers and their families all across the country are killed on the roadways because of road rage. Was it a beautiful wedding? Oh, yes. And they make such a lovely couple. Excuse me. Is this the receiving line? Yes, it is. Hey, he cut in line. I'm a friend of the bride. Do you know the bride? Hey, group? pal. You cut in Line. Buzz off. Oh, yeah? Hit that nice man. That'll teach you to cut in line, you jerk. Stop the senselessness of road rage. It's time we all drive with the same courtesy we extend to people in the rest of our lives. A message from the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. If you want to look at a real straight-ahead presentation from Gray Barker, his first book, which was through a mainstream publisher, not himself, they knew too much about flying saucers. I I did that. you read that, Bill? I, well, I have the audio version of it, so I haven't actually read it. I've listened to it several times. That's where he talks about various researchers who, because they acquired knowledge by UFOs, were visited by individuals who told them to shut up. And, of course, the classic case is Albert K. Bender. But Bender is even mm-hmm. screwier because Bender was involved in all sorts of mysticism and demonology. And when he wrote a book called Flying Saucers and the Three Men, heavily edited by Gray Barker, he was trying to tell us that the three men in black were really alien visitors in the planet Kayak. Yes. And I've read that as well. Uh, interesting stuff. And the the crossover between the ufological angle of that and the alien entity angle and then the demonological aspects, it's pretty murky, but interesting stuff. Well, isn't that a lot of what Kiel was bringing us, demonology and UFOs? And he's not the first one to look at things like that. There's some people with various religious beliefs that look at UFOs as something evil. Yes, that's correct. And Keel even speaks in the Mothman prophecies about how decades after the book was written and after the investigation had been closed, at least in his times, that somebody was going to come across the Point Pleasant area and come up with a learned school of demonology and understand this from a totally different perspective than even he did. But he, he used that word and he did he did tie to try to tie together all kinds of different threads and believe there was one unified 
theory that could kind of explain or at least speak to all those. And he expounds upon that into his next book, which is The Eighth Tower. And we should talk some more about that uh, as the show goes on. But uh, before we get that far, I'd like to go through maybe a few more of these prophecies of Apple and Agar. We're, we're talking about political, so the assassinations of Kennedy, King, uh, and the Pope. So there's a, a religious side to it there as well. One of the things we tend to hear quite a bit about when it comes to the contactee scenarios where the aliens, if that's what they are, they tend to emphasize our relationship with nature and the planet and that we need to really clean up our act in terms of the environment and to stop making war. Were, were there, was, was that included in any of Apple and Agar's prophecies? It was. In fact, they spoke to that significantly. Um, interestingly, in the big blackout, which to me um, is the most interesting of all the Keel compilation books that Andy Colvin did, uh, they go into into great lengths and speak about different parallels with, with the political backdrop of the situation at the time. And there was, right when the Silver Bridge went down, as a matter of fact, in uh, 67 on December 15th, there was an instance of right before that, Lyndon B. Johnson was about ready to throw the Christmas tree lights on to be able to light up the White House lawn. And Keel really believed that the messages he was receiving from these ultra-terrestrials was that something really bad was going to happen. This big blackout in the entire our northeast part of the United States was going to lose power. But that didn't happen. However, minutes later, Keel learned the fact that the Silver Bridge went down. So it almost seemed that these entities were giving him certain clues, but not always hitting it right on the head. Here's something going to happen. We're going to give you information about this, and then maybe that over there might happen instead. And he kind of held himself responsible for not really understanding that it was the Silver Bridge that was going to go down in Point Pleasant, but there's just no way he could have identified that. There was a blackout, of course, in 1965, a large one. Now, is there any connection with that? I don't recall them speaking about the 65 blackout in any of the literature that I've read through. I'm not saying that it's not there. It just it doesn't ring a bell. And did you happen to run across any connection with the paranormal or was it, you know, just a fuse at a substation that led to a chain reaction? Meaning with the bridge? Is that what you're asking? Uh, no, with the, just the, the 65 blackout, just while we're touching on the topic of blackouts, because there has been that suggestion that maybe some sort of UFO phenomenon was involved in that because of their uh, affinity for hanging out uh, over power lines and power stations and that sort of thing. I'm sure that's entirely possible. I just don't know anything about pre-66. And what happened before that, you know, say in 65 or what have you, I, I just don't know. There were uh, UFO okay. reports, okay, that were allegedly seen at or near the substation. This is November 1965, just to bring that out. It was investigated. In fact, Dr. James McDonald had testified to some of this before the House Committee on Science when they were looking into the UFO situation in 1968. So, yeah, 
there may have been something involved there. I don't obviously think it's necessarily UFOs or the connection's been proven, but certainly people suggested it. So maybe yeah. that was kind of a suggestion that, that got into uh, Keel's consciousness and kind of onto his radar as something weird that's going to happen. But then it turned out to be this bridge collapse. Yeah, of course, we're talking about the New York blackout as a separate thing from the bridge yeah. collapse, just to make that clear. Right. Sure. But he would have been aware of it, I'm assuming, you know, that it had happened. And that might very well be chronicled in some of his other works as well. I just don't recall it being part of the big blackout. He may have spoken to that in Operation Trojan Horse, but I'm not as well-versed in that one as I am with the two that we're talking about presently. Let me read this here from Dr. McDonald from that congressional testimony, only because it may be significant when we look at this thing decades later. He said, I was dissatisfied with the amount of information I could gain. I am saying there is a puzzling and slightly disturbing coincidence here. I'm not going on record as saying, yes, these are clear-cut cause and effect relations. I'm saying it ought to be looked at. There is no one looking at this relationship, this relation between UFOs and outages. Interesting. Yeah, so it would have definitely been on Keel's radar, or at least, you know, in his sphere of uh, sort of psyche thinking about things. And so maybe, uh, you know, that's where he was getting this idea that maybe another one was going to occur. We can speculate. We don't know. But, I mean, it seems reasonable. I think it's entirely possible, if, if not probable, that that was part of his decision-making process or the way he was interpreting this information that came to him. And he speaks a lot to a concept that he calls the super spectrum, where we're all basically connected in one way, shape, or form, and that these different paranormal phenomena, whether they're UFO or Mothman or apparitions or what have you, that they tend to manifest in the way that almost interacts with our own level of understanding and consciousness. And to come a little bit short of using the term co-create this phenomenon, it seems that there's some type of an interactive component in the way that we, meaning percipients, actually perceive these phenomena. No doubt. Um, what we tend to, to say here on the show is that the phenomena tends to mirror the worldview of the experiencer, is how we put it here. Yes. And yes, that, I, I that, agree with that. That kind of really implies quite a bit, though. I mean, it, when you start to delve into that, it, it's a rabbit hole that goes down a long way. Yes, it absolutely does. It, it, it absolutely does. I'm, I'm smiling right now because I've been looking at some things that have been giving me pause to stop and, and ponder, you know, different synchronicities. And things that have been happening in my life since I've begun looking closer at some of this anonymous or not, not anonymous. Anomalous? Phenomena. Yeah. Anomalous. Well, is I'm, yeah. <laughs> Just want to let you know that on this weekend's episode of After the Powercast, we feature Stephen Bassett with a UFO disclosure update. And that is certainly important now because we have the movie, the phenomenon coming out and we have the Pentagon UAP task force going to ask 
Bill Kusilis about that. We've got more to come with Gina Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Bill Kuslis joining us. We're talking about a more elaborate range of UFO-related theories, including, of course, the Men in Black and the Mothman. Bill, okay, we talk about co-creation and one of our friends Greg Bishop has written about that it's like the collective unconscious but we have personal control over it is that what you think to some degree I hesitate to use the word control because I don't know what I can really control within my you know sphere of influence so to speak but it does certainly seem that when you begin to start looking at these things that as you'd mentioned before the break we kind of see what we're predisposed to see in some way, shape, or form. And in some ways, it appears that we're co-creating some of these phenomena. Well, just before the break there, you were starting to go into telling us about some of your own personal experiences, and I'd really like to hear some of those. So uh, how about uh, some personal experiences from Bill Kusilis? I really appreciate that. Yeah, Randall, thanks for that. 
the first thing I guess I'd like to share with you and with the audience is that September 6th is a big number to John Keel. In the Mothman prophecies and a lot of his additional writings, September 6th seems to be a magical number in some way, shape, or form. J.P. Perrell, who we talked about a few minutes ago, who was the investigator and radio show host on WBAB in Long Island back in the 60s, was born on September 6th. You see, I missed this from three days. I was born September 9th. I was three days late. I was just messed up totally. That explains it, Gene. (laughs) Gene, you're in the ballpark. You just didn't hit it dead on. That's all. So what I was going to say about September 6th, and this is a number that keeps coming up, not not just in Keel's writing, but also in my personal life. And I'll share with you that in addition to J.P. Perrell being born on September the 6th, Keel allegedly worked with a number of alien abductees, women, who were all born on, you guessed it, September the 6th. Now, my wife, Jackie, and I have been together since 2004. We met on September the 6th. Her son, my stepson's birthday, is September the 6th. This year, on September the 6th, I posted onto Andy Colvin's Mothy Talk Facebook site some synchronicities that I had stumbled across in some of his writings by a gentleman. And that day, on September 6th, out of the, I don't know, 2,500 to 3,000 pages Andy's written about Mothman, there was a clip that he had cut and pasted into one of his books written by a gentleman whose birthday was September 6th. So I wrote about this on, on his Facebook page. Didn't think much about it after that. But later on that day, my stepson was here for his birthday party, and he went home, and lo and behold, the woman that he was involved with at the time is a little imbalanced and I kid you not, an arsonist burned his house down on September the 6th. So there's just all these different <laughs> crazy occurrences that have taken place. And, you know, and I almost hesitate to use that last one as an example because it was not good <laughs> for that. Yeah. Nobody, nobody was hurt. But, yeah, I mean, September 6th, like you would not believe. I trust he got rid of her after this. Well, she's currently incarcerated and probably going to be going away for a long time. I think they're done. Wow. I mean, what are the chances, though, of all of those those dates lining up? Well, I guess I suppose, you know, this what would the skeptics say? You know, it's got to happen somewhere at some time. There's only so many days in the year and sooner or later, somebody's going to have a bunch of out of the ordinary experiences that happen on a particular date. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that agrees with that. And there's a part of me that knows that I find what I look for. and, And I totally Totally respect that point of view. But there's just a few too many coincidences, and I don't really believe in coincidences at this stage of my life. I see them more as synchronicities and almost that I'm on a path of discovery, and and I'm being keyed into keep looking, keep looking. Exactly. What's the saying? If there's one, one coincidence is just a coincidence. Two coincidences is interesting. Three is a conspiracy. I looked up here, famous people born on September 6th. Roger Waters, Pink Floyd. Actress Suzy Kurtz. Idris Elba, of course, you know, great British actor who's appeared Mm -hmm. in all sorts of roles. So just a couple of examples. Asher Angel, TV actor, born on September 6th. 
I don't know that that means anything because obviously every day of the year you'll find somebody famous born on that particular day. Just pointing that out. Sure. And of course, Roger Waters. That's right. That's Pink Floyd. Yeah. They had an album called Saucer Full of Secrets. Well, there you go. So uh, now we're looking for a pattern. So, you know, but I still think it's cool. Let me ask you this, though. What year did that album come out? I'm not sure, actually. But it had had to be around there. Yeah, Uh, 66, 67, maybe? mm Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly when it did come out, though. I wonder. Well, we could probably look it up here as we go on with the show. But uh, let's uh, continue covering some of these um, interesting points that you've got here in in your bio and that we posted on the Paracast community forums. And one of the things that I'm curious about is this uh, connection between John Keel and someone named Mary Heyer. Yes. And Mary Heyer was the individual that I was speaking of a little while ago who was the Athens, Ohio messenger field reporter who was the one who was responsible and kind of Keel's right hand in the Point Pleasant UFO and Mothman investigations. She was his friend, um, and he went to great lengths to define it as a platonic friendship. They went out into the field and looked for UFOs. She is the one that was with him when he was doing the descend Morse code, which resulted in the UFO coming down the stairs in the falling leaf fashion. And she was his correspondent, you know, up until when the bridge went down and after the bridge went down, she passed away. Unfortunately, I want to say in 1970, just a couple of years after the bridge went down and all the, the major Mothman phenomena was over in Point Pleasant. But uh, somebody who was very much involved in the investigations that are a part of uh, a lot of his literature. Another thing about that, too, is that, you know, isn't Point Pleasant, I'd heard this somewhere, and I'm not really the expert on this. You sound like you, you're very well informed, but aren't there some military bases around there or something like that with people were like, isn't there a connection there somehow? There really is. There really well, t- is. Let's and, talk uh, about that a little bit, because I just heard that in passing, and it wasn't that long ago, but I didn't get a chance to uh, to, to follow up on it much. So what, what's that all about? So back in the 1940s, there was an installation that was put together to support the World War II effort. And what was built there uh, is now called the McClintic Wildlife Preserve. But back in the 40s, it was a munitions factory where they built TNT for the war effort. So that was a very self-contained type of an operation. It was not necessarily hush-hush, but it was put together in a fashion where the TNT itself was stored in these concrete igloos. And there were 100 or more of these concrete domed igloos that were in this forest preserve, for lack of a better way of putting it in which dynamite was stored, and it was somewhat camouflaged so that if any, any, any enemy aircraft had gone above this facility, they wouldn't really know what was going on there. But there's theory behind the whole Mothman phenomenon and some of the ufological activity that was taking place in the 60s that this 
energy, this Mothman energy or what have you, was somewhat drawn to this area because it had a history of, you know, damaging warfare type things that were being built there and that somehow this energy was drawn to it. Bill Kuslis joining us with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax manager hotline now 800-503-8625 do the letters irs give you anxiety i'm dan pillow i've defended people from the irs for more than 40 years my book how to get tax amnesty created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people it can help you too if you're a non-filer or facing irs enforcement right now your case is unique you need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or medication, care, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. 800-880-1896. That's 800-880-1896. 
Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Let's continue with that item about energy, Bill. Yeah, what I was going into was basically there's a theory that the Mothman energy was drawn to the TNT area because it was an area where basically items of warfare were manufactured. And there is also a pretty prevalent theory that this Mothman energy is more of a Garuda or Thunderbird type of a protector deity that is kind of a harbinger to warn of things that shouldn't be going on or at least to heighten the awareness that there's some negative energy that's manifesting that people should be more aware of. So to answer the question in kind of a long form that was posed to me before the break, yes, there was this army type of manufacturing that was going on within that area that was there right there. Not necessarily a base, but it was a, an, a place where these things were being built, munitions were being built and stored. They were still being built back in the, in the mid-60s uh, while this was going on? Like the... the we had the flap, the Mothman flap, between 66 and 67. So was this base in actually in operation at that time? So interestingly enough, it was shut down back in the 40s. But when the Mothman was sighted, then the military came in and basically quarantined the entire area. Now, the factory itself was shut down. Nothing was being built there, but the National Guard came in and wouldn't let people go in and take a look at what was going on. I mean, there's other theories. Perhaps whatever this Mothman thing was was captured. Nobody said anything about it. They got out of Dodge with it, and that was it. But, yeah, they they came and shut the area down back in in the 60s. Or did they? (laughs) I mean, if you've got these weird domes and stuff out in the forest and you've got this flap going on, I mean, you know, how do we know really what was going on out there? Maybe, you know, they were wanted us to believe that things were being shut down and maybe they were no longer being used for munitions, but some other thing kind of thing was going on because that seems pretty unusual that they would actually send out, you know, a bunch of troops to, I guess, what, keep people away from them. That's what's alluded to in the literature and Keel's Mothman prophecies. That's what he talks about is basically the area was shut down. It was quarantined. And it was all hush-hush. You know, this is the same time that the men in black were in town. Now, I can tell you the TNT area is about 10, 11 miles north of Point Pleasant proper. But it's close enough that that's where, you know, kids would go. That's where the Mothman was first sighted by the, the young kids that were out cruising around and were chased by it. Interesting. Well, then maybe it's, I mean, I guess we could just say uh, maybe there was a safety concern there. Maybe there was some leftover munitions lying around. They didn't want any adventurers to get out there and find themselves in trouble on one of their military bases or something, or ex-military bases. 
Could be, but that, that's not as fun. <laughs> I agree with you on that. that. That is possible. That is possible. Okay, so what is this other connection here uh, between this character? And I've heard of this character before, but I've never really looked into it too deeply. I'm, I'm not sure that it really went anywhere, but it was kind of interesting. Indrid Cold. Indrid Cold. And Woody Derenberger. Yeah, yeah. So Indrid Cold was this alleged spaceman or possibly a man in black, depending upon who you talk to and which day of the week you're having the conversation. But around the same time that the Mothman was first sighted in 1966, a furniture salesman who basically had just gotten into that line of work, having been laid off temporarily from one of the factories in the West Virginia area of Parkersburg, which is a little north of uh, Point Pleasant, he was headed down the road, Route 77, headed, coming home after work one night, driving his work van. He was able to get up to about 50 miles an hour, and it was a little rickety. He had the different appliances and such that were in the back of it he was going to take out and sell eventually. But in any event, he's driving down the road, and he notices that there's a vehicle coming up behind him, and it's coming kind of fast. and. Lo and behold, it's not just a car. It flies right over the top of him and then settles on the road in front of him. Now, he doesn't go in to say he had to slam on the brakes or anything like that. But interestingly enough, this vehicle he describes as a like a teapot type of a device that's sitting on its end. Spaceship is sitting in the middle of the road and he comes to a stop and he sees this being step out of the tea kettle type spaceship and he said he's a younger guy, a good-looking young man, black hair, slicked back, wearing odd clothing, and has his hands basically underneath his armpits with his arms crossed in front of his chest. And he approaches Woody Derenberger's vehicle and begins to telepathically communicate with Woody. He speaks to him, but he doesn't really talk to him. It's more of this psychic connection and basically starts asking Woody, some pretty mundane questions. He points to the area where the lights are in the distance, which is Parkersburg, and he asks, what is that? Woody tells him, well, it's it's a city. It's where, you know, we do commerce. People go to work and these types of things. And Indrid Cold allegedly says back to Woody, well, we have those on my world, too, which is, by the way, far less powerful than yours. We have them on, on our planet as well. And we call them gatherings, like the word gathering, but with, with, a, with an E. He pronounces it gatherings. So the two of them have a several-minute conversation telepathically. And at the end of it, Indrid Cold basically tells him, I will see you again in time. And then he gets in his spaceship and he takes off again. And Woody goes home and talks to his wife, and he's white as a sheet, and he's never like this. So she's concerned, and he asks his children to go to bed or mother even asks them to go to bed. Woody was always very friendly with his kids. So this was not something that was common for him. This was not typical behavior for Woody Derenberger with his family. So the kids knew something was up as well. And long story short, he tells his wife about this. And the next day he basically goes to the police and he gets onto a newscast. And before you know it, all of a sudden Woody Derenberger is infamous and this injured cold legend just takes off. And so you've got this phenomenon of this spaceman who's visited Woody Derenberger happening right around the same time 
as the Mothman prophecies are developing down in Point Pleasant, you know, within, you know, a 90-minute drive from where Woody is. So all these odd things are happening in this pretty tight geographical region during the same time period. Very interesting. Now, did Woody ever encounter this injured cold again in the future? Well, again, that depends upon who you ask. And John Keel basically said that he believed Woody Derenberger's initial story. He believed that Woody was in earnest and he wasn't making things up. And Woody actually went down to Florida to NASA, I believe, and was interviewed and basically interrogated by top military brass, allegedly, about this whole injured cold thing. And they had him see a psychiatrist and he he passed with flying colors. So it didn't appear that he was lying, but Keel didn't necessarily believe some of Woody's subsequent stories, such as, and, and Woody has a book called Visitors from Lanulos. Allegedly, injured cold was from a planet called Lanulos. We're going to break here and have more to come. With Bill and Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump was having difficulty breathing on Friday before he left the White House, and he did receive oxygen before he went to Walter Reed Medical Center. It's standard protocol for treatment of the coronavirus. The president's physician, Dr. Sean Connolly, says there are a few conditions that place the president into a higher health risk. He's 74, he's male, and he is slightly overweight. Other than that, he's very healthy. He also said... He did have a fever Thursday into Friday, and since Friday morning, he's had none. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said that the president went through a very concerning period on Friday. He also said, we're still not on a clear path yet to a full recovery. On Friday, the president was given a single dose of an experimental drug that supplies antibodies. This is USA Radio News. There has been some conflicting reports on just how sick the president is and whether or not his doctors are being straightforward about his condition. 
Dr. Nita Ogden, an internal medicinal specialist and immunologist, says this. This is not just a mild infection. Um, He's at the hospital. Now he's receiving two experimental therapies as well. I feel like he was probably moving in the direction of somebody who's looking sick. Dr. Matthew Hines, who worked during the Obama administration, says he doesn't think the president's doctors are telling us absolutely everything. At one point, I remember the doctor saying that he doesn't anticipate the president will ever need oxygen. And that's a stunning thing to say. I have no idea with with my patients that have coronavirus when they come into the hospital if they're going to do well or they're going to be on a ventilator the next day. You're listening to USA Radio News. Bags under the eyes, crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now there's Instantly Ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. Here's a clip from the Rachel Ray Show testing the results of Instantly Ageless. Board certified dermatologist, Dr. Whitney Bow. If you're looking to try to turn back the clock on a budget, you know, in the privacy of your own home, but actually there's some recent technologies emerging, almost like changes the behavior of the skin right. while it sits on the skin. She went off to try a product called instantly ageless yeah instantly you could see a difference even the cameraman were like wow look at the difference yeah I mean, but i would definitely use this product this product within minutes of applying it it was actually a very dramatic rejuvenation try instantly ageless today at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com 30-day money-back guarantee and preferred price discount at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com this is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Now, Bill Kuslis, as you were talking, I was looking up Woodrow Derenberger's book from Vantage Press, which was, I guess, originally published by Gray Barker's Sarian Press. Visitors from Lanulos. It's a small book, like 111 pages, and I think largely out of print. But you're saying the original case bill may have had some factual connection to it, and subsequent encounters were faked, or what? Well, that's what Keel says, and that's the way that he portrayed the entire thing with Woody Derenberger. He went so far in one of the video documentaries that I've watched to state that he believed that Woody was a pathological liar. Now, that's pretty strong language, but we know Keel didn't really pull any punches, and he was kind of prone to say things that maybe we wouldn't say in polite company these days. Uh, That being said, Woody has some pretty interesting tales in Visitors from Lanulos, and I know his daughter, Tanya Derenberger Bowman, has a subsequent book that she's put out called Beyond Lanulos, Our 50 Years with Hendrick Cold, where she goes into some of the background of her experiences with Hendrick Cold and his family and his friends who were also visiting them on a regular basis. So she goes at length and discusses it as well, too. I'm looking over a newspaper story about this, the about Woody Derenberger. And it said here... Woodrow's overall experience as a contactee didn't just negatively affect him, but his family and his closest friends. It came by way of years of harassing phone calls, losing jobs, losing friends, 
people trespassing on his property, ridicule, embarrassment, painful headaches, and depression. He suffered a bitter divorce and had to move away from the area because of his notoriety. So I guess, if anything else, whatever the issue was, it's not something that he profited from. Publishing a book with Gray Barker's Sarian Press is, it's kind of like a movie in the 30s and 40s. The Poverty Row movie companies like Monogram, Sarian Press was below Poverty Row when it came to publishing. Mm-hmm. Woody did not profit from his experience of Indrid Cold. I think that's 100% accurate, which really speaks to whatever was happening to him, at least he was trying to describe it in the best way that he knew how. It doesn't make any logical sense that he would damage his entire professional reputation as well as his family and his life just to talk this stuff up. So I think there was some substance to it, or perhaps maybe he began to suffer some type of a mental illness. That part I don't know. But I think he believed what he said. I think he did. Let me ask you a question here, kind of an outside question, because we cover it every so often on the Powercast. Have you considered that any of the stuff that has been going on in and around the Silver Bridge, Mothman, and other events may have had some government inspiration? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. There's, I think there's every possibility that that could have been a government operation to be able to test just how quickly information can spread. And as I mentioned earlier, Keel, one of his military specialties from his time in the Army, was known as a disinformation specialist. So I think there is some validity to the perspective that it may have been a government operation. Now, to pigtail with that or to dovetail with that, There has also been a recent documentary that came out on one of the history-type channels that talked about some Green Beret operations that were happening in and around the area of the Mothman phenomenon in the 60s. And in that particular story, the actors went on basically, or the host went on basically to state that definitively they felt that these were Green Beret that were in some type of flying suits that people were seeing that were obviously outside of their experience and had never encountered anything of this nature before. And they just attributed this folklore legend to it. So I've heard that too. And I have considered that perhaps this is just something that, you know, maybe it was a misidentification that went viral and turned into a legend 50 some odd years later, that that's entirely possible too. I think the reason we raise this is because we think of government experimentation with people. And drugs, especially in those years. Even going back to as far as the Roswell case, which may have been a government experiment gone wrong. And I've suggested, although some people will object to it, that even Barney and Betty Hill, their UFO abduction was really something instigated by the government. And again, I do think that that is entirely possible. Um, There's a part of me, a part of my personality that is very conspiracy oriented. So I think that's all within the realm of possibility. I just don't know. And it makes the story that much more interesting to me. Of course, though, then it then you have to ask, well, you know, 
how are all these people involved? I mean, to get the witnesses, then either they actually really did have flying suits or they had to get a witness to say, I saw somebody with, you know, some creature flying that they didn't really see. And there seem to be too many of these witnesses and too many of these events and too many people involved to really make a, a convincing case that any kind of hoax of that scale could be pulled off convincingly. And, and what's interesting, Randall, about that perspective is that we're talking about a very small micropolitan statistical area. Point Pleasant, Gallipolis, Ohio, and the greater area is a general population around 6,000 people. Now, in 66 and 67, there were at least 100 witnesses that came out and described this being. And they talked about the glowing red eyes. They talked about the sense of dread. They talked about the shadow aspects of the, of the phenomenon. Their descriptions were all very, very similar between two different things. Now, I will say that it was not known as Mothman during the time of the initial flap when it started in 66, it was referred to by the locals more as the big bird. And there is a shoe salesman by the name of Thomas Yuri, who actually goes on at length to describe this large bird that followed him on his way down the road on the way to work. And he described it specifically as a large bird. So you've got two different descriptions. There's the traditional Mothman description of this six to seven foot being with the eyes and the wings, and then you've got this big bird description also that takes place several times as well. But uh, close enough that for 100 witnesses in a small area like that, like you say, it's kind of hard to just dismiss it out of hand as one single misidentification. You've got a lot of witnesses there. Definitely. Well, now, when we hear about the bird explanation, one of the ones that I'd run across before is that it, it was some kind of a, a very large owl you know, possibly very light in color. And in one case, uh, someone was suggesting that actually it, it had gotten into some sort of phosphorescent dust somewhere you know, during its travels. And somebody actually said that they had witnessed this themselves. And it turned out to be a big owl. Now, we don't know that they're talking about the Mothman, but I've seen owls at night and they are pretty weird and some of them are rather large. And uh, if you just see them fleetingly, you could, and you don't really know how far away they are, I could see how it could sort of maybe cause someone to think that something more unusual than a, a bird had flown by. And I agree, there was a theory of it being a large or a barred owl. And there was a an individual who actually shot an owl in his barn and had people come take a look at it to identify it as to whether or not it was the Mothman. And they, they didn't believe that it was the same thing. And there was another theory. Let's talk about that other theory, Bill. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Today, many of us are paying attention to our health, and what we eat plays an important role. But so often, the water we drink is a mere afterthought when it should be a primary part of our daily nutrition. Real Water would like to change how you think about the water you drink and how it can play an important role in helping your body restore balance and reach its full potential. The key benefits of every bottle of Real Water are stabilized negative ions, balanced pH, detoxification, and it hydrates you like never before. And yes, it tastes great. Real Water is beyond alkalinity, and due to its proprietary process called called E2 Technology, it's the only drinking water on the market that can maintain a stable negative ionization, which means real science in every bottle. Order your real water today and take advantage of special pricing for this audience only by calling 1-855-REALWTR or visiting buyrealwaternow.com. That's 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Order now. 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. 
Bill Kusilis, and we're talking about Mothman and the strange creatures. Was it an owl? For people who saw the owl that I guess was shot down, Bill, that they said this is not it. But then again, people seeing things under weird or unexpected circumstances might have mistaken it. The thing I want to go back to, though, is the legend of the Silver Bridge and the Mothman being something that signaled its crash. Now, obviously, there are legitimate reasons why it crashed. And we've had this situation around the country, a country where infrastructure is going to you-know-where. Very old structures, not properly maintained, and we get accidents like that one. There's nothing in the crash of the Silver Bridge that's unusual. It's just an unfortunate event, right? Well, and there was an analysis done on the bridge and the components of the bridge, and they were able to determine that, and the bridge itself was constructed by what they called an I-bar construction, that I-bar number 13 had a slight fracture that basically, over time, that bridge had been built in 28. So 40 years later, over time, that slight fracture got to the point that with all the turbulence and the larger vehicles, it ended up pulling that I-bar apart and the whole bridge went down kind of like a, just a house of cards. Yeah. Which is understandable. Uh, so, but what's this you're saying, Gene, that there was like a precursor to this or some kind of a warning? Well, they're taking the appearance of Mothman as something that signaled or predicted its arrival, like a banshee. The Mothman being a banshee warning of impending disaster. Otherwise, why do you connect the events? Okay, so but but so in other words, there wasn't this sort of a say like a banshee's scream before the bridge collapsed or the sighting of the Mothman at the time the bridge collapsed or anything like that. It was just another thing that happened in the area around the time that this was going on. It's not the only place where a Mothman-type creature was seen. What's your impression, Bill? Well, and I've heard varying versions of what you're talking about, but basically the one that I that I believe is that, no, there wasn't a big banshee scream by Mothman that warned or perhaps even brought the bridge down. And I've also heard that there was a sighting of the Mothman sitting perched upon the bridge when it went down. But for the most part, the people that I've talked to and the investigating that I've done leads me to believe that just that's just more of a more uh, of an old wives tale now the thing that i do find interesting is that keel had written about some reports of a couple of individuals who were seen basically climbing on the bridge dressed in clothing that one would not expect them to be dressed in for both this season being in december and very very cold and also the fact that usually when guys are servicing a bridge they're going to be dressed in clothing that's good for doing outdoor cold weather type work. And these guys were wearing plaid pants and checkered jackets and dress shoes, which just seems really, really bizarre. Well, Hmm. then are you suggesting maybe that this was sabotage? I, I don't know that I would say that I believe that it was sabotaged. 
but it seems awfully coincidental that there are a couple of odd characters on the bridge the day before that, and I don't think you can rule it out. Even if the investigation is proved otherwise, it seems oddly coincidental that that would be taking place. What about some of the alleged Mothman photos? Like, there's been a couple I've run across, you know, going on on line where it there it looks like there is this sort of strange creature on top of a building that's kind of got these. It looks like sort of wings, kind of maybe folded in a little bit, but definitely kind of weird. I suppose it could be a person in a costume, but. You know, has anybody, in your opinion, actually got a good picture of this thing? Not that I have seen in particular. There was a photo a year or two ago that was circulated on Facebook. Someone took a picture in the Point Pleasant area and said, is Mothman back? And at first glance, you take a look at it and you think, wow, if there really is a Mothman, it might look like that. But if you look at it closely, and my wife, who is much more detail-oriented than I am, took a look at it, and she said, that's a bird of prey carrying a snake. And as Uh, I took a deeper look at it, I thought, you know what? It is. It looks like a large bird of prey carrying a snake. And I'm not saying that people don't have pictures of it. I haven't seen any pictures that speak to me of what I think it would look like. I I haven't. Now, let's point out here and make it clear. You and your wife make regular trips. You live in Illinois. So what kind of trip is it to go to West Virginia? It's a bit of a hike. We've been out there every year since 2016, and we'll be leaving again uh, next week to head out to Point Pleasant for a week-long excursion and visit and investigation and nice vacation during the COVID era. But, yeah, we go out there. This will be our fifth year in a row. It's a 501-mile drive to the Silver Bridge from my door. So it's a long one day's drive? Yeah, it's a haul, but you can do it in one day. Obviously, with the pandemic, it's got to be difficult. What do you do as a day job? Can you tell us? Yeah, absolutely. I have worked in technology sales for 22 years. I started in 19, uh, yeah, 1998 uh, with a small Xerox agency, and I've stayed in that industry for the last 22 years. It's, it's been good to me. It allows me flexibility to pursue things like this and still hit my quota. So it's it's been a good fit for me. And no, uh, you know, nobody at your work uh, gives you the evil eye, or you know, the when you uh, start talking uh, paranormal. I get a little bit of confusion. We're we're an old family-owned, large, small company, for lack of a better better way to put it. But um, I think for the most part. People find it as entertainment, and the folks that I talk to about it, they've never heard me talk about it in such detail as we're discussing presently. So to them, it's just a weird kind of fun thing that Bill does, and hey, that's cool. You know, it helps him sell, <laughs> and it well, does, okay. frankly. Yeah, sure. I mean, okay. I mean, that's a really great attitude, actually. And it is a really kind of weird, fun thing in a way to do. And there, there is an entertainment aspect to the paranormal that uh, can be just interesting and fun. And we don't always have to take it super seriously. But still, what for me anyway, I think you guys would probably have to agree – that part of what makes it even more interesting is that there are these little kernels of truth in terms of people having genuine, really weird experiences. Yes. Yes, there absolutely is. And, and that's the part that, and like I just mentioned, 
the folks that I talk to on a casual basis about this, they think it's cool that I'm doing something fun, and it is fun. I absolutely love it. I, I feel so fortunate to have conversations with guys like you that, that are in this world, and we can, we can just brainstorm and have fun discussing it. That's, that's awesome. But there are so many other serious aspects to things, so many synchronicities, numerical aspects, astrological connections. There's all kinds of really neat stuff, and I'll tell you, the folks in Point Pleasant that I've become friends with out in that area there, I, I like to share with people that the legend of the Mothman is what brought us to Point Pleasant. It's the people that bring us back. They're just the greatest, most welcoming, fun-loving, let's sit down and have a cup of coffee type folks. I, I just love it out there. It's, it's a fantastic place to visit. Might be a nice place to move. Seriously speaking, have they done anything? to make this a tourist attraction of some sort or what? They have done a wonderful job of turning this into a tourist attraction. Yes, absolutely. Since 2002, there are a couple of individuals who founded the Mothman Festival. A man by the name of Jeff Wamsley, who's become a friend of ours. We see him every time we go out, out there. He has the world's only Mothman Museum. And what Jeff has done for decades is to collect all kinds of memorabilia, newspaper clippings, movie memorabilia, the one of the telephones that's in the movie itself that Richard Gere slams incessantly as he's getting these weird phone calls from this alien entity. <laughs> Jeff's got so much cool stuff there. He and Carolyn Harris, who unfortunately passed away after we met her the first time we went out there, they co-founded this Mothman Festival. And with the exception of this year because of COVID, they had to shut it down. But they're up in the thirteen to 15,000 people range for one weekend in September every year, and they just do a phenomenal job, and it's brought so much additional business and tourism to Point Pleasant. It's been a really wonderful thing for them. It doesn't happen on September 6th, does it? September 6th. September 6th. You said it happens every Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I, I thought you said timber sick. No, is that, I thought, is this a term that I'm not familiar with? That's possible. No, it's not September 6th, but it's closed. It's around the 18th to the 20th. Well, maybe next year, something to consider. Bill Kuselis joining us, talking about Mothman and all the things around it. More to come with Gina Randall. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Hey, folks, Tom D for ParanormalDate.com. 
Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word George and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, since all this went down in the 60s, have strange things been happening there ever since, or what? There are different things that do get reported from time to time. There have been a number of documentaries that have come out post-2000 that have talked about some of the strange things that have taken place. There's an episode uh, of Paranormal Witness where a, a couple drives to Point Pleasant and goes into one of the igloos and basically tries to communicate with Mothman. When they leave Point Pleasant, allegedly some type of negative energy goes back home with them. And I want to say that they lived in Maryland, and they've talked about being haunted by poltergeist-type activity and having had all kinds of odd things happen, dangerous-type things happening you know, within their, their home since they've come back from there. There have been other sightings. There are a couple of other witnesses that have come forth. Uh, there's a married couple who were both nurses, shift workers, that when they got off work, I think second shift, were driving home after midnight, saw this large being standing by the side of the road. They thought it was a man in a cape at first, but then it, it spread out wings and took off. And when it spread its wings out, they were wide enough to cover basically one side of the road to the other side of the road. So however many feet that is, uh, a really big entity. But yeah, there have been a number of different sightings and odd reports of occurrences that have taken place in that area since then. Yes. How about for you personally, uh, anything else besides these odd synchronicities? Have you, have you ever had a UFO experience or a cryptid experience, a haunting experience? I've not had a UFO experience. I've not had a cryptid experience. Uh, I've had a couple of odd negative energy experiences, and they both were involved when I was, this is before my wife and I met, when I was involved in a relationship that was that had just ended. And then another one that had just begun, there was a real sense of foreboding, negative energy, and what I would describe as a spiritual darkness or a spiritual blackness that I couldn't see. I didn't see it with my eyes, but I could feel it to the point that I've never been frightened to the degree before or since then as I was on those two instances. And they took place around 1999 and 2000. Both of them, interestingly enough, took place in the house that I used to reside in. 
I'm not saying that it's haunted, and I think it's entirely possible that I was going through a high level of psychological strain due to relationship pressure and that type of a thing. But that being said, it was to the point that one of the instances I called a friend of mine in the middle of the night and said, dude, something's going on here. I don't know what's happening, but I feel like there are demons in the house with me. Those are the only two real, what I would describe as somewhat borderline paranormal experiences that I've had. Other than that, I'm just very curious about the phenomenon. That's actually really interesting because, um, you know, I might have said some of the same things you had just said. It's just emotional strain and so on and so on. But the fact that you're aware of that, to me, suggests that you can differentiate to some degree between the two. And if I'm hearing you correctly, I think I know what you're talking about. And unless a person has actually felt that, it's really hard to explain. And it doesn't sound like it's anything that anyone should pay any attention to because it's just somebody's personal sort of subjective experience. I think there's more to it than that. I do. So one of the things you guys had asked me before our last break was what I do for a living. Technology sales has been my career for the last 22 years. But 10 years ago, uh, at the age of 43, I decided to go back to school to study psychology. And I took some post-baccalaureate level courses. Then I completed a master's in psychology. And I'm actually finishing a dissertation right now that hopefully by the end of December, I will graduate with a doctorate in psychology. And the reason that I share that is because I try to take a really, use the word subjective, I try to take a very objective viewpoint of all these different things that we're talking about now. I think there's some real empirical data that can be examined to be able to come up with different theories and ideas to try to describe this stuff. And I try to kind of balance off my paranormal studies with grounded theory, psychological research as well. So those are other aspects of things that I'm presently working on. And maybe one of the reasons that I'm maybe a little more keen than average to trying to describe what I experienced 20 years ago and how it could be a borderline psychological, spiritual, negative energy type manifestation. I don't know which, but I'm really curious to continue to learn. What about the idea that traumatic emotional experiences can act as a catalyst for these types of other phenomena to come into your uh, subjective radar, so to speak. I'm saying that they may be entirely separate from you in terms of their own objective realities, but it's, it's the state of mind that some of these highly emotional situations can put a person in that opens them up to be receptive to it. Does that make any sense? It totally resonates with me. It, it totally resonates with me. And, and I've been a student of comparative religions in, in addition to the other things we've just talked about. And one of the things that I've come to understand, and I don't want to use the word belief because that kind of precludes that I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I don't want to go on record to say that I absolutely believe this, but I have I've heard that certain traumatic situations, one of them definitely being sexual abuse. You know, we hear about ritual abuse. We hear about satanic abuse, all these types of things. But these types of things, especially in the lives of younger individuals, can open up the floodgates for paranormal activity, poltergeist activity. I'm sure you're both familiar with 
with the Bell Witch uh, phenomenon in Kentucky and the things that have been written about that. It, it just seems to me that when you when you cross these spiritual lines and break these, in my mind, spiritual laws, at least the way that I look at things, you're opening yourself up to some stuff that, that shouldn't be happening, and you're letting things in, perhaps, that are going to manifest in ways that we don't really have control of, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, like we've heard probably all of us hear uh, accounts from various people over the years who say if they've lost a loved one. Well, that is sometimes preceded by a paranormal experience or sometimes right after it happens, they'll have a vision of them or as if they're an apparition or in some cases their own kind of a near-death experience. And, and thanks for bringing that up because in 2011, my father-in-law, fell ill with multiple myeloma and uh, he passed away. And shortly after he passed away, my wife being his youngest daughter, baby of the family, doesn't matter what age you are, it still hurts. She woke up at three thirty-three in the morning, sat bolt upright and heard her dad's voice. Wow. And totally flipped her out. And since then she, that's the number that sticks out in her consciousness. She frequently wakes up at 3.33 in the morning, and odd things tend to appear to her at 3.33 p.m., a.m., what have you. The number for me is 11.11. That's the one that I say all the time. Right. Well, 3.33, of course, adds up to 9, which is a mystical number. In it, When you get into the whole realm of mystical numbers, that's, that's really interesting. I, I should mention, mm-hmm. speaking of nines, that my birth date is September 9th, 9-9. Mm-hmm. And cool. the year, well, you might guess also adds up to nine. Wow. <laughs> that is really nine, nine, nine. Yeah. There used to be a politician, unfortunately, no longer with us, who had some kind of economic plan, which he called nine, nine, nine. Which in German would be like, no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you <laughs> believe this plan, you'd say no, no, no. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Just want to let our listeners know that Stephen Bassett is going to talk about UFO disclosure in light of the Pentagon's UAP task force on this weekend's episode of After the Powercast. But the only way you can have listen to that show is for you to become a member of the Powercast Plus. For more information... You go to the Paracast dot plus. That's the Paracast dot plus. Bill Kusilis is joining us with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Hello, Paracast people. I'm Greg Carlwood, the host of the Higher Side Chats podcast, an uninterrupted and action-packed interview-based show where I talk to some of the brightest minds for our troubled times about all things paranormal, occult, esoteric, and conspiratorial. After 10 years, we've heard it all. Alien moon bases, archons, hollow earth, technocratic and biomedical agendas, magic, mind control, and Lovecraftian monsters. Oh my. Usually, the first hour of the show is free, and the second hour is for members who sign up for the Higher Side Chats Plus at $8 a month. But praise be, we're giving Paracast listeners two free weeks of Plus when you use the all-caps coupon code PARACAST. Go to thehiresidechats.com, sign up with the code PARACAST, and dive into the nearly never-ending archive of great interviews I've been lucky enough to get over the years, from David Politis to David Icke, and many, many guests not named David. 
Check it out. You're going to love it. All right, Jay. Was that good? Can we use that one? Are you ready for what's next? It's likely coming. More food shortages, power outages, grocery stores closed, social unrest. Ask yourself, do you have enough food and supplies on hand to last at least 30 days? Most Americans do not, but you can. Avoid the panic of the last-minute rush. Order your four-week supply of emergency food today from MyPatriotSupply.com. Starvation or dependency on the government are your only alternatives. Avoid those and the pain of being unprepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Build your emergency food supply with meals that last up to 25 years in storage, shipped discreetly to your door. Folks that know what's coming are using today to prepare. There's time for you to do the same. That's MyPatriotSupply.com, the original Patriot Preparedness Company. MyPatriotSupply.com. Across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Bill Kousselis is joining us with Gina Randall. Since I mentioned Stephen Bassett, Bill, about UFOs, do you think anything is going to come of the current interests and the fact that the Pentagon has a task force? Well, it seems like we've been talking about this kind of thing for my whole life. If something does come out at this point in time, I want to hear all about it, but I'm concerned that it wouldn't be accurate. You know what I mean? I'm 53 now, and I've just never seen anything 
filter into society in a way that you can feel like you're telling you the truth when it comes to this stuff. What, what are your thoughts? Well, you see, I have been following this for many thousands of years. And after a while, you get a sense, you know what? After all these years, there have been hopes and dreams that something will come out where we'll get a revelation that the government knows what's going on. But I think that's comfort food. It's like saying, well, someone has the answer to the mystery. Maybe it's the government. Maybe they know something. And the more and more we watch the government in action, we can think the routine stuff they can fairly well handle. But the really strange stuff they can't, besides the only interest the government has about UFOs is whether it represents a threat to national security. I don't think they really want to know the rest. And then there's that part of me that thinks they know way more than they're ever going to let us know, and we <laughs> should be really concerned about that. Yeah, I tend to be on that side of the fence, for sure. I mean, they have to, when you think about it, because consider this whole Nimitz case that we've been talking about now for, you know, pretty steady now for the last year, really, or, or more even. They're ta talking about some of the most sophisticated equipment in the U.S. military used to track these things. Do you think that's the only ship that's ever tracked them or the only radar station that's ever tracked them or the only satellite that's ever tracked them? I mean, they got to know a lot more than they're telling us. They just have to. I just refuse to believe that they don't they don't know way more than we do. And those are my thoughts as well. Yeah, because it wouldn't make any sense otherwise. It it wasn't uh it wasn't that long ago we had John Alexander on and he was talking about how NORAD has literally thousands of cases of tracks on their systems that they don't know what they are. And yet but it's yet their nothing to talk about. <laughs> right. It's it's their job to investigate them. That's why there is NORAD. So but he's sort of trying to lead us to believe that, well, there's all these tracks on these big screens that they have, like in Cheyenne Mountain, and everybody's just sitting there going, oh, we don't care about that. You know, and I'm just like, uh, I just don't buy it. Actually, they're putting all the evidence in Warehouse 13. Yeah. Is that where it's at? Uh-huh. Warehouse 13, don't know if you know this, Bill, was a TV show on the Sci-Fi Channel. And I think loosely inspired by the final scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they stick the Ark of the Covenant in some kind of warehouse, the basement of yeah. this facility, and it just is put away, out of sight, out of mind. So all the weird artifacts that are recovered are placed in this network of warehouses, which is referred to in the U.S. as Warehouse 13, and they have several caretakers. And, of course, the story was fun. They had some really good actors in it, and it was where some of these strange artifacts are stolen, etc., etc. Would a government bureaucrat say, I don't know what this is. Let's get on to something else. Well, yeah, of course a government bureaucrat would say that, but maybe we ought to get back to... We've still got a few points on the list here to go through. What is, Bill, the Jane P. Parrow Mount Misery connection? So Jane P. Parrow um, was the radio talk show host for uh, a show or a program, I'm sorry, a station called WBAB in Babylon, New York, Long Island. And she was 
kind of a paranormal reporter, but more at the 10,000-foot level. I think Keel would describe her as being more of a sensationalist than really an investigator. But she was introduced to John Keel by Jim Mosley. And she is the individual who allegedly channeled these ultra-terrestrials slash extraterrestrials that we talked about last hour, uh, Apol and Agar, who gave these prophecies that talked about the different things with political assassinations, uh, Kennedy about the attack on the Pope and things of that nature, and then inferred that this big blackout was going to take place, which was going on around the same time as the bridge went down in, in Point Pleasant. Okay, so... of 67. So, okay, so she was the connection there. Here, I was thinking this was Keel all along having the phone calls. So, but, but this was through this other JP Paro person it, uh, who also mentioned something the big breakthrough. What was that all about? So, the big breakthrough is another Andrew Colvin um, work where he assimilated a good number of John Keel's field notes from 66 and 67 that didn't make it into the Mothman prophecies. And there are a number of different correspondences between these ultra-terrestrials, Apol and Agar, and Keel. And he takes notes to them and writes letters back and forth to them as well, too. So the big breakthrough and the big blackout are two of the last of nine Keel article compilation books that were put together by Andy Colvin. And they really, they really kind of augment the Mothman prophecies and the Eighth Tower and go on into more specific detail than those two books did. Because by the time they were cut down for publishing, there was just a ton of stuff that didn't make their way into either one of those books, and that's what those are. I just want to mention to our listeners, Andy Colvin was on the Paracast on September 4th, 2011, and January 12th, 2014, both shows available for download whenever you want. And I think we're going to get them back on again in the near future. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, especially in light of this. Because like you're, you're saying, Bill, there has been a resurgence of interest in this whole subject of not just the Mothman, but cryptids, even Bigfoot. And there's, and this is where we started back at the beginning of the show. There is, seems to be a, a growing agreement amongst people who really take the time to seriously look into this that there is a connection between just about all of it. There's some kind of a unified fields theory out there. So it's not just, you know, there's Bigfoot and then there's a flying saucer. We've got people who say we have seen Bigfoot going into the woods where the flying saucer landed. Yes. Yes. And there are also reports that Mothman has been seen flying to a flying saucer. And that was, back in the great heyday in the late 60s. So there's definitely some type of connection going on here. I I really do think that that is the case. Do you think what we're seeing, and and this is something that Gene talks about as well, uh, are we really seeing, do you think, what is really there, or are they able to manifest an appearance like through some sort of maybe technology? Some sort of uh, active camouflage or uh, illusion. We've got more to come with Gene Randall and Bill. You're in the Paracast. Thanks. 
you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack. Focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said the president's condition was very concerning on Friday after he was diagnosed with COVID-19. He said that he was taken to Walter Reed Medical Center as a precaution. He also said the next 48 hours will be critical in terms of his care. The president's doctor, Sean Connolly, painted a much brighter picture. This morning the president is doing very well. The team and I are extremely happy with the progress the president has made. Thursday, he had a mild cough and some nasal congestion and fatigue, all of which are now resolving and improving. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on Twitter said that he spoke with the president and said he sounds well and is feeling better. Former New Jersey governor and advisor to President Trump, Chris Christie, is also now in the hospital after testing positive for the virus. This is USA Radio News. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he wants to cancel legislative work until October 19th because of coronavirus cases infecting three senators. That, however, will not delay confirmation hearings for Supreme Court nominee Judge Amy Coney Barrett. The Senate Judiciary Committee still intends to begin that hearing on October 12th, as scheduled, despite many objections from Democrats. Two Republican members of the Judiciary Committee, Utah Senator Mike Lee and North Carolina Senator Tom Tillis, announced they had the coronavirus and tested positive on Friday. Republican Senator Ron Johnson has also tested positive for the virus. Also, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie tested positive. He tweeted that he's receiving medical attention at this time and will keep people apprised of his condition. This is USA Radio News. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-900-8407. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. 
We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-900-8407. That's 1-800-900-8407. 1-800-900-8407. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Bill Kusilis, do you think that whatever this is, is projecting something rather than presenting us with what it really is? So we talked about Andy Colvin a couple of minutes ago, and Andy has a, a saying that when you stare into the void, the void stares back at you. And we talked a little bit earlier about the fact that to some degree, it seems that we're almost co-creating some of these manifestations or maybe they're inspiring us to meet them somewhere in between. It just seems to me that when you seek, you find. And as we talked about before, I think that when we're already predisposed to see things, certain things manifest that correspond with our belief systems. So to answer your question, I think that perhaps it is something mechanical slash spiritual slash psychic, some type of an energy that's really beyond my mental faculties to totally absorb. This is just theory, but it seems to me that we are all connected through Kiel's concept of this super spectrum, and there are different aspects of the things that we can kind of blend together with this consciousness, and then we kind of witness each other. When we talk about the super spectrum thing, are we talking about something similar to young and to, you know, collective consciousness or collective unconscious? Is, is that something similar, or what are the differences there? So I think it is pretty similar to Jung's concept of the collective unconscious. I think that it is. Um, to get overly technical with it, I'll get lost pretty quickly. But I think the idea that there's this all-permeating energy, God type of thing that really we're all tapped into as part of this greater fabric, put it at a 10,000-foot description the way that I understand it, if I do understand it, that's kind of the way that I see it. We're, we're all connected to some degree into this energy. It's bigger than we are. And I think just to seek it, you can find all kinds of really neat stuff. Or as we talked about before, different rabbit holes of all kinds of synchronicities and stuff. We've got another item here on the list. The alleged chief cornstalk curse. What is that about? That's a really neat, a really neat aspect of the whole Mothman mythos so to speak. So there I've was never a, heard of this. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, I, absolutely. So in Point Pleasant, in the 1760s and 1770s, way back, there was a gentleman by the name of Chief Cornstalk. Kitagwa was one of his Native American names. And what he was was the principal chief of the Shawnee Nation. He was the chief of both the Shawnee and the Mingo tribes that inhabited the Ohio River Valley. And he, he was basically the man when it came to commanding or serving or what have you. He was the chief of all these different tribes. And so there was Fort Randolph, which was located in what we call today Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia. At that point, it was still Virginia. They hadn't broken off. That happened during the Civil War. But in any event, white man wanted to push west. The natives didn't really want them doing that, but they realized that they were limited in their ability to forestall all this immigration. So he was quite a diplomat. You know, he really tried to work with the settlers, 
tried to establish, you know, common ground and this is ours, this is yours, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there was a breakout in 1774 where like a battle skirmish type of a thing. And there were a couple of, a couple of whites who were out and about who were allegedly killed by some of the Indians who were out and about. And Chief Cornstalk, I don't believe, knew about this taking place, but he was en route to Fort Randolph to go negotiate peace. He wanted to go, you know, meet with the settlers and basically have a, a sit down, for lack of a better way of putting it. When he arrived, these individuals came back grief stricken because their friends had been murdered and said, we got to do something about this. So they basically took Cornstalk and his son and they put them in shackles and they murdered them. So at 50 years old and his son being 25 or thereabouts, they were both, their lives were over. And as a certain legend has it, and this is, this is all kind of hearsay that's become part of the whole mythos that Chief Cornstalk may have uttered a curse on the land of Point Pleasant and surrounded surrounding communities that the land would not be prosperous for the next 200 years. Now, what I can share with you is that I've gotten to know one of his descendants in the Point Pleasant area, and she said, you know what? There's no way my great, 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 great grandfather ever would have cursed the land because we don't own the land. Our whole concept is that we take care of the land. We are stewards of the land. We're never going to curse the land. But this is this is something that's become part of the Mothman legend that says that allegedly it has some effect uh, upon some of the catastrophic things that have happened in the Point Pleasant area, such as fires and floods and poor economic times. And of course, this whole Mothman thing. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's interesting that you mentioned that about how the uh, First Nations people didn't really have as the same kind of concept of land ownership as the Europeans did when they came over here, where, you know, the idea, well, we'll give you this, you know, a handful of beads for this much land or whatever it happens to be. And then now we own it. That That just seemed really foreign to many of them at the time it was more like well you know we happen to live here and we go here and we go there but i there were no deeds or titles or le, you know legal descriptions for that i've heard some people say you know claim try to claim otherwise but i've never seen any actual evidence of it so and it's really interesting on our first trip to point pleasant that's when we met lynn who was chief cornstalk's uh, descendant we had told her we wanted to go out to the McClinic Wildlife Area and take a look at these igloos, which is where Mothman's alleged first haunt was. And I said, you know, I want to be sensitive to tradition here because I don't want to be going traipsing around if they're Native American spirits or whatever, and they're going to be unsettled by us being there. Do you have any advice for me? And she handed me a box of cigarettes and took a cigarette, and she basically broke it up so that the tobacco fell into the box and handed it to me. And she said, when you get out there, Take a little pinch of it, drop it to the north, the east, the south, and the west, bring it as a peace offering, and you'll have no trouble at all. And I just thought that was a really neat way to respect both her and the tradition of the people that were, as you said, uh, first Americans. Yeah, absolutely. Really interesting. The way that, well, I mean, consider the legends that they had of all of the strange creatures that were around there. Now, does, did you find that there were any legends of weird creatures before the Mothman that go back and predate this, uh, you know, the, the 60s cases? 
like the Thunderbird or something like that? Or do you think we might in be looking the, at the same thing? You know, in the greater Point Pleasant area, and I'm trying to jog my memory to think if there were any you know, weird manifestations of different paranormal phenomena that, that ring a bell with me right now. I don't, I don't recall anything directly, but the Thunderbird is definitely what was on Keel's radar in terms of what the Mothman could be. And Andy Colvin has also coupled that with the Garuda. He and, he and Keel both talked about the Mothman allegedly possibly being this Thunderbird or this Garuda energy harbinger type of a, a force that's there to maybe warn of, of negative things coming. Apropos of nothing, I'm going to break in a moment. Apropos of nothing. There was once a book out, like in the 60s, called Behold the Venus Garuda. Believe me, it was pretty wild. We come from wild times. Don't take it seriously. Look it up. And you'll see probably this has got to be the worst book ever written. But when you say Garuda, I kind of think about that. Let me just remind our listeners, we do have a new station that has decided to pick up the PowerCast. That's KBJA, 1640 AM. It's a 10,000-watt powerhouse serving Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, and Sandy, Utah. Population center of over half a million people. KBJA, welcome aboard. Want to hear from you listeners. Let us know that you're out there. Bill Kusilis joining us. We're talking about starting with Men in Black and Mothman and other strange flying creature thingies. We've got more to come. One more segment with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. That's shop, S-H-O-P, super, S-U-P-E-R-T-T-E-A dot com. So the complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5 California time. That's shopsupertea.com at 818-984-6100. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Bill Kuslis, tell us more. Thunderbird. I interrupted to talk about the Garudas, that's why. And I don't know that I had a whole lot more to say about the Thunderbird topic at that point so much as that it's been been used as a way to describe this, you know, Mothman energy that perhaps it's this Thunderbird, Thunderbird or Garuda, and that that could be a, a way to describe it. So when you say Garuda, you guys, like, what are you talking about? Are you just talking about like a strange big bird or are you talking about a, some sort of a spiritual manifestation of something? Because I'm not familiar with the term at all. Like, what what is it exactly? So the way that Keel and Colvin have both described it is that it's kind of a yin and yang type Eastern versus Western interpretation of the same phenomenon. So the, the Thunderbird is supposed to be this big protector deity that you know flies through the air. And it's foreboding, but it's typically there as more of a benevolent type of a force. Or, you know, at very worst, it's neutral. 
and it's there to notify individuals of, of things that are happening that are a little out of whack, maybe a lot out of whack. And the Garud is more of an Eastern, kind of a, a Buddhist or perhaps Hindu-type interpretation of the same energy. Okay, so like we have Bigfoot here, and, and there they have like Yeti or Abominable Snowman kind of thing. Sort of the same exactly. thing, but but slightly different. Okay, that makes sense. Thanks yeah, for helping yeah, to that, clear that's that how up. I understand it. And we were also talking about books. Now, how about your own projects? Have you got a, a book in the works of your own? Because I, that sounds to me like you should. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, and I appreciate you asking that. So literally for the last 10 years, I have been taking one course per quarter, um, working on graduate degrees in psychology. And I am at the, the end of my dissertation. It's 172 pages that are written about post-traumatic growth and divorce. And being a guy who went through a divorce and understanding that it can be a very expensive, protracted, negative experience, a lot of good has taken place in my life. So what I did was to investigate the lives of nine other gentlemen from a similar age range who went through divorce in the late 30s or the early 40s, and then came up with a grounded theory to describe how a man can experience post-traumatic growth, which is the flip side of post-traumatic stress, by going through a divorce. To dovetail that experience with my interest in the paranormal, my wife and I, actually she, birthed the concept about nine months ago of why don't we begin investigating post-traumatic growth for people who have experienced paranormal things. I did interview a gentleman in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, when I was there last November about his experiences with paranormal type things and spiritual energies and the good things that came from actually losing two children due to SIDS in young, young childhood. So we had that conversation there. But the goal is that as soon as I graduate, which should be in December of this year, we'll be embarking on interviewing another eight to 12 individuals about their paranormal experiences to be able to glean whatever post-traumatic growth dimensions they may have experienced as a result of these otherworldly type experiences. That sounds really interesting. And I don't think I've ever heard of anything quite like it out there. There's been a lot of books written about the paranormal. This one is going to be somewhat unique, I would think. That sounds really interesting. What I found really unique too, Randall, is that when I began doing research for the dissertation, it's not what I wanted to look at. Because when you get over a divorce, you kind of like to leave it in the past. But my committee kind of helped me shape something that was part of my own life experience that helped me come up with a really specific topic. So when I began investigating post-traumatic growth, which is a relatively new phenomenon, it's only been under study for 20 to 30 years. There are all kinds of areas for it. And interestingly enough, there has been no other research even done on the topic I'm doing for my dissertation. Nobody has written about post-traumatic growth and divorce. So to take it to the next level with the paranormal, it doesn't surprise me that nobody's written about it because nobody's even written about divorce. <laughs> sure. I, I think that there's people that recognize that divorce can be a positive thing. I mean, they have divorce parties, right, where people realize it's time to that you know untie the knot and and to go on and experience uh, some new relationships and it, it's not always a bad thing back in 1975 geneva and i had a divorce party oh okay we shook hands that? and went our separate ways oh, cool. and we had all our friends over the people that we knew together and some of them i still know some of them she still knows but we weren't enemies. Wouldn't it be nice if some more people in the world could behave that way? 
Well, Jim Mosley, our old friend Jim Mosley, he was married for about two years in the early 60s. They had one child together. They were fighting for the next three or four decades. Oh, God. Well, see, that is traumatic, right, Bill? Like, especially when kids get into the picture. That's really sad. That's a nightmare. Graciously, my wife and I, my first wife and I had no children together. But it was still a very contentious matter. And going through it was difficult. We each had kids from prior relationships, but none together. And and I'm really thankful for that. And and my hat's off to you as well, Gene, for, for not having animosity and just going your separate ways as friends. That's awesome. So what are we left with now? I think we touched a little bit on the idea of the unified fields theory of the paranormal phenomena. One of the things that I like to ask our guests, and I've asked a number of them, so our regular listeners probably know what I'm going to suggest here, is that we do tend to hear a lot of um, what I would say more fringe theories for what's going on, alternate dimensions, other universes, and that sort of thing. But what if it could be explained a lot simpler? If we look at, say, anti-gravity combined with active camouflage and the ability to influence people's thoughts with things like EM, we've got all the ingredients we need pretty much to explain just about all of this phenomena. So maybe it's not that far ahead of us. What do you think of that? Well, even Keel talked about ultra-low frequency waves and how those can influence our thought patterns and our feelings and all those types of things. So that kind of takes us back a little bit to that government op type uh, hypothesis, doesn't it? I think it could, but I I don't think we have anything like anti-gravity, though, or active camouflage that's that sophisticated. I mean, we're starting to work on active camouflage now that's kind of there. We've got the concept. Anti-gravity, I just don't think we're there. But maybe within the next hundred years, we could. That sparks a thought with me from another book that I've read by Whitley Strieber. He wrote a book where he allegedly was contacted by an individual in his hotel room after he spoke at a UFO conference. And this individual seemed to know the answer to everything. Like he was another worldly type of a presence. And this, this personage made the claim to him that one of the reasons that humanity had not cracked gravity yet or really even totally understood gravity was because the individual who had the formula or would have come up with the formula during their lifetime was actually executed in Auschwitz in the Nazi death camps, which was a fascinating phenomenon. I'm not sure how much I subscribe to it, but it's really interesting. As long as we get into discussions about Nazis and World War II and the paranormal, we can go on into a rabbit hole like you wouldn't believe. Bill Kousselis, can you tell our listeners, do you have a website we can check you out at? At this point in time, there is a website that's under construction. It's not, it's not fully built yet, but I can be found on Facebook under Bill Kousselis. It's spelled K-O-U-S-O-U-L-A-S. You can find us on Facebook. If you look for the Paracast, we have a couple of places there. Look for the Paracast on Twitter. Very shortly, we'll have confirmed Andy Colvin to return to the Paracast. So you see what you started, Bill? We also have branded merchandise for the Paracast. Go to theparacast.shop. Check it out. We have throw pillows and T-shirts, and we're trying to do some updates to make the ordering process more efficient. We have the Paracast Plus 
where we offer a special version of this show free of the network ads, plus enhanced audio, and the After the Paracast podcast. Okay. What that is, is we offer a separate show with special guests, continuing interviews. Sometimes the guest hangs out with us. And sometimes we just sit and talk. You never know. But it's always special. It's always unexpected. Stephen Bassett, for example, is on this week's episode. For more information on the Paracast Plus, go to theparacast.plus. That's theparacast.plus. Hey there, Bill Kusilis. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. And thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciated it. Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.